Well, good morning, church. I'm over here bringing special greetings to you, whether you are in the sanctuary this morning or joining us online. Greetings from outer space. Come on. We have an out-of-this-world worship service planned for you this morning. Not really, but uh, it's over the moon. Uh, We're excited about it. It's going to be stellar. We have this. that's, That's about all I got. But this is VBS week here at Fellowship Church, hence the decorations up here. We're super excited about it. It's never too late to sign up for VBS or to invite a friend. So if you'd like to, talk to Miss Betsy or anyone else to get in on it this particular week. We, together at Fellowship Church, are otherwise kicking off a new summer series of worship. And I invite you to consider with me as we uh, have our call to worship this morning from the book that we love to consider some of the very words that are in the Bible about the Bible. And so we'll do it responsively. Pay attention to the words on the screen. The Word of God is living and active. It is sharper than a double-edged sword. Your Word, O Lord, is a lamp unto our feet. Your Word, O Lord, is a light unto our path. Indeed, all Scripture is God-breathed. It is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And Jesus said that humans do not live by bread alone. We live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The good news of Scripture, friends, is that words make worlds. And it is God who spoke this world into being. It is the word of God in the flesh, Jesus, who is for us and for our salvation. It is the words of scripture laid onto our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit that is making us new. So friends, let's stand together and sing of these mighty acts of God.
God, we do give you thanks for your goodness to us, for your love for us, for this world that you have created and all the people that inhabit it. And this morning, we also give you thanks for the special gifts that you give to each one of us and for the gift of one another and for the gift of uh, the chance to serve with one another. We say thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Well, a couple weeks ago, I shared with you some bittersweet news, and this morning is a bittersweet celebration because we get to both say thanks be to God for the life and ministry of Karen Donker, but also say uh, goodbye, at least for her in this role. She's not leaving fellowship necessarily, but she is saying goodbye to her role that she has served so faithfully for the last 22 years. Come on. Uh, Pretty amazing. You might not know this, but she started out simply as a Kids Hope director, a little side hustle, you might say. That was about 10 hours a week in which she uh, helped us get in relationship even deeper with Lakewood Schools. But that ministry uh, really birthed, and thanks be to God and God's faithfulness and guidance, has birthed numerous other ministries, which first started with the Hope Christmas Store that was started right here in our own gym as a way to give those same students and families that we served at Fellowship Church an opportunity to buy with dignity uh, gifts uh, for them for Christmas time, and that uh, started to get the story out that we care a lot about West Ottawa schools. And so uh, when uh, their hand-to-hand was thinking about how do we break into Ottawa County, they said, what about Fellowship Church? They seem to really love their school. So we started doing hand-to-hand here at Fellowship Church, and then we had this big dream that God would one day bring hand-to-hand to all the different elementary schools in our uh, school district. And thanks be to God, through some 
mentorship by Karen of these other churches and God's faithfulness. Every school now has a hand-to-hand partner. And not only that, uh, but when Kids Hope said, hey, we should try doing this Kids Hope next thing, this uh, middle, continue Kids Hope into middle school, they said, I wonder who could help us start that. We should talk to Fellowship Church because Karen Donker's awesome and we can help, and then they'll be a good pilot for us. And then a few years ago, when uh, Meetup and Eatup and the Department of Health and Human Services said, hey, we want to start a little partnership with a church at a, a Meetup and Eatup site so that we'll bring the food and you guys bring the fun and the love and the relationships, they said, I wonder who we could ask. We should talk to Karen, because she's awesome. Uh, and so thanks be to God, we have been in partnership with Meetup and Eatup for the last number of years as well. All of this is a testimony, I believe, to God's faithfulness uh, and the work of this congregation and the leadership of Karen Donker. But that does not, that's kind of the what of your job, Karen. That doesn't say much about the who the kind, the thoughtful person that you are, the caring person that you are, the person that seeks to love and care for kids and her family, that many of them are here today. We're so grateful to have you with us. The joyful and earnest person you are, the person that yearns and seeks after Christ and to grow in your relationship with him. We are so thankful, Karen, not only for what you've done, but for who you are. And I personally am thankful for the relationship that we've been able to share the last number of years, for the ways in which you have encouraged me and sharpened me, for um, your desire to be an honest and transparent relationship with people. And I am the benefactor of that the last number of years. So thank you uh, for your ministry with us, but also for being our friend. We are so grateful for you and your work among us. I forgot to mention something, Karen, that you uh, have exhibited a tremendous amount of courage in the last number of years, and people might not know this, but she actually tore her meniscus on Friday, and she's coming up here, that's why she has a cane, and she's uh, so courageous in the face of so many different things, like uh, facing cancer and a lot of challenges outside of that, uh, but your courage this morning as well is, is something to be celebrated, so we're grateful for that. But you have some words for us too, I think. I do. It's fun to see all your faces. <laughs> I have been extremely honored, humbled, and blessed to serve alongside you as your director, and more importantly, as your friend and coworker of Kids Hope USA and Hand to Hand for 22 years. I can't imagine a community of believers being more supportive, a family who has been more encouraging, or a job being more rewarding, fulfilling, or enjoyable than what this one has been for me here at Fellowship. I believe that God has called each one of you by name to be specifically planted at Fellowship Church at this point in time to serve, grow, and belong together. I said those all in the wrong. Belong, grow, and serve. There, okay, now I feel better. You got okay. it. <laughs> together, uh, I'm sorry, wow. Together, we look forward to continuing to be examples of salt and light as disciples of Jesus Christ through ministries such as Kids Hope USA, Hand to Hand, the Hope Christmas Store, Meet Up and Eat Up, and other opportunities that will yet to be discovered. I'm very excited to see how God will use Diana and Stacy in their new roles here as local missions coordinators. He's got big plans for you and the rest of us as well. All thanks, honor, glory, and praise be to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, through his power in each of us, as we delight in serving him from this place that we know and love called Fellowship Reformed Church. May God continue to be honored and glorified in all that we do. Thank you.
have been so blessed by you, Karen. Thank you for sharing those words. We are gonna honor Karen with a couple, a couple ways. One is that we have some gifts uh, outside there that we'd love for you to take a look at. One of the cool projects that someone put together is a piece of art that has every kid and every mentor and every prayer partner on it, and all those words form the Kids Hope logo, which is totally awesome, uh, in a frame out there that was signed by some other folks. And then we uh, also were gonna re uh, recognize her in the reception that you probably saw when you came in that we'll have again when we're done with service today if you want another piece of cake or your first piece of cake if you got here when I usually get here. And then we're also gonna honor Karen with some words uh, from the founder of Kids Hope, Verge Golker, who I'd like to invite forward. The rest of you can be seated at this time. And Diane and Stacy are also gonna come up at this time. Verge is a way for us to look back. He was the founder of Kids Hope, corporate, national, and uh, a good friend of Karen's. And we are also looking forward this morning, as Karen alluded to, uh, Diana and Stacy are gonna be uh, taking over the big shoes of Karen Donker, uh, humbled uh, by the opportunity, but also uh, I'm eager to see what God does in Diana and Stacy as they lean into the local missions of Fellowship Church. Verge, the floor is yours, man. Thank you. Uh... I was introduced recently at a uh, gathering of Kids Hope folks as the flounder of Kids Hope, and I'm <laughs> still trying to figure out what that means. <laughs> um, <clears throat> this is such a treat for me. I have been part of Kids Hope for many, many years, and I have to tell you that this woman is one of, one of the heroes of Kids Hope, and it has been such a wonderful privilege for me to get to know her. I wish you could have been with me the first time I talked with Karen. I was told that she had an interest in Kids Hope and I just sensed I was going to be meeting with a woman who was going to tell me 15 different reasons why she ought to be the Kids Hope director, that God was calling her and she was the one. Instead, she said, I don't think I can do this. Her misgivings were compounded, I think, by the fact that she would have to follow an ultra-charismatic leader. You may remember the irrepressible Sherry Vanderplug. She was literally a force of nature. Uh, it, to think of her is to smile. She's just a wonderful, wonderful person. Karen said to me, I do not see myself as a leader and I do not want to mess anything up that was obviously planned and designed by God. Virgil, I don't think I can fill Sherry's shoes. My response to her was precisely, God does not want you to fill Sherry's shoes. He used Sherry's enthusiasm and energy to plant this ministry within this church and the neighborhood school. God wants you to take this ministry to the next level. As we all know, Karen has done that beautifully, engaging hundreds of church members in Jesus with skin-on relationships with nearly 500 Lakewood school children. 500. These children received help, encouragement, hope, and love from the mentors from this congregation. I am confident that if you ask these 500 children what they know about Fellowship Church, they will give you the name of their mentor. I thought of that as I drove up to the church this morning. You know, really the name is wrong. Fellowship is a wonderful name, but what about all these names that children think about when they think about this church and your ministry? Sharon, or, uh, Karen, you took this ministry to a different level, a new level. Stacy, Diane, I believe God is calling you with your gifts and your skills to take it to other levels as well. I, I think God found it so easy to endow her work, Karen's work, with his strength simply because she was willing to acknowledge and embrace her weakness. She literally refuses to get in God's way. And hundreds of people wanted to come alongside a servant leader who radiates humility. Does she radiate humility or what? Karen, God is pleased and praised by your work, by your life, and I am awfully proud to be your friend. Thank you.
Thank you, Virg, and thank you for that word of blessing. Uh, and now we are gonna offer a prayer for Karen and giving God thanks for her, but also uh, for Diana and Stacy as they step into this new role. Let's pray together. God, thank you uh, for the ways in which you continue to empower your people, for the ways in which your spirit is at work and resides in us, and through our measly efforts, you magnify them and multiply them into something beautiful. And we thank you for the ways in which you have done that in Karen's life and in our life together. And we also thank you uh, for the ways in which you have done that already in Diana and Stacy's life. And we look forward to how you will continue to use and work in them as they step into these shoes. May they not be Karen's shoes, but may they be their shoes and the ways in which you have uniquely wired and gifted each one of them. Thank you for the opportunity to be do this, not um, because of any leader or person that stands up here, but because of your spirit's residence in, all, in each one of us and for this community of people that gives back so freely and so graciously and so generously, we say thank you. May our lives be a testimony to your love and grace that we know in Jesus. It's in his name that we pray, amen. Amen. Virg and I are gonna go sit down, but we're gonna sing a song, a uh, congregation of blessing uh, to God for these women's life and ministry among us. So if you would, would you stand up? And if you feel so led, uh, also extend a hand as we sing this song of blessing to them. How wonderful, and thank you, oh God, that we get to participate in this, particularly because it is by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ that we have peace with God and peace with one another. So would you please share a sign of that peace with one another? Well, good morning, church and friends and guests. The Lord be with you. I like the analogy at the beginning of summer to recognize summer as a bit like an extended weekend where the month of June is like a Friday, the month of July is like a Saturday, and the month of August is like, or the, yeah, the month of August is like a Sunday. And so at the beginning of summer, we get to say, thanks be to God, it's Friday, right? Come on. <laughs> Lots of teachers are like, yes, absolutely. Hey, we are Fellowship Church, and here we seek to love God and others as an accepting community centered in Christ and focused on developing faithful followers of Jesus, and we're eager for many of you to join us in that. If you'd like to make yourself known around here and you are new, we have connection cards that you could fill out in person or online. We'd love to get to know you 
as you are ready to make yourself known. And also, I'll turn your attention to our bulletin, which regularly has care concerns. So when you are in our midst and when things are worth celebrating or lifting up uh, with prayers of concern, we put them in our bulletin there and we can pray for one another. Uh, a detail that didn't make the, the cut for printing this particular week is that Ruth and Roger Bohr, some longtime members here, are having uh, health struggles right now. So please do keep them in your prayers alongside the others that are listed in our bulletin uh, this morning. We also uh, like to get together. We're called Fellowship for good reason. And in the summertime, we have dinner groups. If you'd like to be a part of a dinner group, uh, you have two more days to sign up before those names get shuffled into actual groups. So please do sign up online uh, or even just uh, ask around. Uh, Any one of us can help you get your name in the right place to be included in dinner groups for the summer, getting together once or twice or three times with others in this congregation for fellowship and for fun and more. Today is a great day, not only because of the many things we're already doing together, but also because we're going to celebrate Bryce Vanderstelt's ordination tonight, and that's at 5 o'clock, so you're welcome back again tonight for even more cake and other goods and uh, meaningful things. We're super glad uh, for him and, and invite you to join in that celebration. We're starting off this summer a new series called Letters from Home, and hopefully on your way in, you were able to snag one of these New Testament postcards, is what we're calling them. They'll be new every Sunday, a new card, that is, and you're invited to snag these. They give a great overview of one of the New Testament epistles, Uh, some fun facts, quirky details, even the challenge to summarize it in just seven words, uh, and also a, a, a reading plan, so that if you follow the reading plan on the back of the card, you will join with us and read through all 21 of the New Testament epistles this particular summer. So hopefully you'll get these and collect them all uh, throughout the summer with us. Uh, We look forward to journeying together. Pastor Nate will kick us off in just a few moments. As always, we're grateful to partner together, not only in life, but also in our finances and our giving. And you can do so by giving in the, back, uh, the bowls in the back of the sanctuary or also online. And we seek to honor God in the giving of our tithes and offerings. Normally, we'd now send some kids off to various places, but before we do that, Pastor Nate is going to invite the kids forward. In fact, I'll invite you forward, kids, young ones and young at heart. Please come right up here with Pastor Nate for a little bit of a a children's moment up in the front of the sanctuary. Don't be shy. Come on. I won't bite you or anything, you know. I'd love to have all the kids or any kids that are willing to come on up here. We're going to sit right up here. I had a few friends at the first service that were willing to be brave. I see some guys coming up. You guys can come up and you can sit in the front row. You can sit on the floor. Heck, you can sit right next to me on the stage if you want. Oh, here they come. Here they come. Oh, yeah. What's up, guys? Can I get a fist bump? Boom, boom. Nice to have you all up here. Yeah, Jaden, what's up, guys? You want to sit down or you want to stand up? What do you think? I have, I have something I want to show you. I have this, this thing. What do you think this thing is? A boat, a boat? yeah, and what else? There's some people on it. You know, where do you think this thing came from? Uh, ancient Egypt, maybe, yeah. <laughs> Someone built it. I do think that that is true. Yeah, what else, what else do you, where else do you think this thing came from? Someone used it, maybe? It came from the world, yeah. Someone played music and then this came out. I like that story. I'm, I'm, all, I'm all in. Well, this is, I don't really know exactly who built it or how it was built for that matter, but I do know that this was a special gift to Becca and I after we went on a trip to Uganda a number of years ago. Someone gave it to us as a gift to say thank you for coming to see us and it was intended for us to be a reminder of God's beautiful and diverse and very big church and world and kingdom and that while we all face different challenges and the people that built this in Uganda face some different challenges than we do, the same Jesus walks with us. It made me wonder, do you guys have any keepsakes that remind you of something that was really important or someone that was really important? Or maybe it's a picture or a piece of art or something. Do you guys have anything in your rooms that remind you of something else? 
What's that? Weather radios. You have some weather radios. What, what, what about weather radios? They keep you safe during severe weather. Oh, that is true. They keep you safe. Do you have anything that reminds you of somebody else or something else, maybe a trip you went on or a person that you love? You have a cast from when you broke your leg. You say, that's a good one. Yeah, anything else? Maybe something from a positive experience might be another way we can think of that. Does anybody have a piece of jewelry that they got from someone or a picture? What? You got something from an Alabama experience. Nice, that's good. That's perfect. Yeah, anything else? Well, this summer, we are going to be going through a series, a worship series, and we're going to actually invite you, if you're over first grade, to stay in the sanctuary with us this summer as we look at some letters that were written a really, really long time ago from someone to somebody else, and they are going to help us understand a little bit more, hopefully, who we are in light of the way that God has made us. And they will be helpful in maybe thinking about how we might live lives of faithful response to Jesus who calls us his own children. So as you head back to your seats this morning, if you are under first grade, you can go with Miss Betsy out there for children and worship. And if you're over first grade, you can just head back to your parents and chill there for a while. Thanks for coming up, guys. It was good to be with you. Go in peace, my friends. See you later. May it be so, O oh God, that as we uh, look to your word that you might remind us of who we are and uh, we might be more shaped into your uh, likeness. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Hey, does anyone remember heading to the mail room at your college or university? You know, the, all the boxes on the walls. There's some of us that had to go to that every day to check because we didn't get text or email notifications saying that we had a package. We just went and checked. This was the primary, well, maybe not, I'm not quite that old. This wasn't the primary way in which I talked to my parents. I actually had a better way of communicating with them. I had phone cards. Does anybody remember these? You know, the little 1-800 number that you call, then you type in a code, and then you could call long distance for free on someone else's dime, obviously before the time of cell phones. Tough crowd, guys. Come on. That was kind of good. Not that, not that bad, was it? Anyway, phone calls were number one. Mails and letters were number two. And so every single day, my friends and I, after we had supper up at the CDR, the central dining room at Wittenberg University, would head down the stairs to see, check our mailbox to see if we got a letter from home. Ba-dum-ching. Who doesn't like the real excitement of mail? I mean, how fun is it to, even today to check your mailbox and find a letter written or a card from someone you love or to come to your office and, and find a handwritten note from some, one of your colleagues or maybe to drive home and see a package on your stoop that's not from amazon.com or even in a day when our email inboxes are just flooded with notifications from uh, social media and or advertisements to get a note from someone we care about, sending a little note to say, I thought of you today. What's better than a personal letter? 
Well, as fun as it is to recall the good old days when our letters we received were more than 144 characters typed into the social media stratosphere, or even to consider some great letters ever written like uh, Pastor uh, Ross referred to in the Bell article, this summer we are diving headfirst into some letters of the New Testament. We call them epistles. And the series we are into now is Letters from Home where home is understood as God's kingdom come, and letters are the New Testament epistles. Did you know that 21 out of the 27 books in the New Testament are epistles? All of them, except for the four gospels, the book of Acts, and the book of Revelation, are letters written by someone in the first century in response to the the world-changing event of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. They're personal, they're contextual, written by people to another person or group of people. And so, this summer, we are, in a sense, reading other people's mail. We're gonna read notes by Paul, the apostle and the teacher, to churches and to specific communities like Rome or Ephesus. We're gonna read letters by Peter and James to the multiple churches way out in Asia Minor uh, from the diaspora. We're gonna read notes written by Paul to fellow co-laborers, personal letters, one-on-one from Paul to Timothy or Paul to Titus or Philemon. We're gonna read letters written by John to all Christians everywhere. And even some letters written by Paul and Timothy to the church in Colossae or Philippi which is to say that about 78% of our entire New Testament, the books that we have today, are writings by faithful followers of Jesus to other faithful followers of Jesus, written in a certain context and for specific people. And yet, we call these letters, these personal notes, these affectionate uh, cards, the word of the Lord a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, scripture itself, and we seek to, as Deuteronomy would say, write them on our hearts and impress them on our children. Or as Paul will say in 2 Timothy chapter three, these letters are to us inspired by God and useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. These letters are the word of God for us, the people of God. These epistles, like all of the scriptures have a double sense to them. On the one hand, they were written by humans in a certain time and in a certain place, and it can be best understood by kind of coming to, to grips with that, that original context for which they are written. And simultaneously, we believe that the Spirit was uniquely at work in their writing, inspiring them, inspiring their authors and compiling them. And we believe that the Holy Spirit is uniquely at work in us when we read them which makes them to us the word of God. So it is our twofold hope this summer as we consider these epistles that we might grow in our knowledge of God and how God has been at work in this world and simultaneously that the spirit would shape and form us into more Christ-likeness. To that end, this morning, I'm gonna read from Paul's second letter to his dear brother in Christ, his colleague in ministry, his buddy and partner in the gospel, Timothy. We'll be reading from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. Listen for the word of the Lord. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, for the sake of the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm grateful to God, with whom I worship with a clear conscience as my ancestors did. I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day, Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I might be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure lives in you. For this reason, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Do not be ashamed then of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel in the power of God who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his purpose and grace. And this grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life immortality to light through the gospel. 
It is for this gospel that I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher, and for this reason I suffer as I do. But I'm not ashamed, for I know the one in whom I have put my trust, and I'm sure that he is able to guard the deposit that I have entrusted to him. Hold to the standard of sound teaching that you have heard from me in faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that's been entrusted to you with the help of the Holy Spirit living in us. This is the word of the Lord. In my conversations with Karen over the last couple of months, I've begun to sense the gravity of one of her deepest longings and maybe a little bit of her fear for this transition. And if you talk to her long enough, I'm sure you'll sense it too. You'll discover what she hopes for most, what she is concerned might be forgotten, what she yearns for us to remember above all else. The story of God's faithfulness to Fellowship Church and the Spirit's guidance of our shared ministry with West Ottawa Schools. She doesn't want us to forget that from the very beginning of Fellowship's ministry as a church plant in Wakazoo School, we have always had a special relationship with West Ottawa. She doesn't want us to forget that how her mentor in life and in faith, June Rymick, saw her faith and the practice of it as intimately connected between Fellowship Church and West Ottawa Schools. Those two things were inseparable for June. She doesn't want us to forget how God used Fellowship Church as an example, an instigator, a mentor in other churches in the West Ottawa District for Kids Hope and Hand to Hand. She doesn't want us to forget from, that from the very beginning, it's never been about us or our work, but it's been about serving every kid in every, in every school in this district and giving them access to reliable meals on the weekend. And thanks be to God that that is the case through seed money and program mentorship of hand-to-hand at Fellowship Church. She doesn't want us to forget that it is through one hour, once a week, with one mentor and one kid and one prayer partner that a student's life can be changed forever. Karen wants us to remember the story of God's faithfulness to Fellowship Church and our simultaneous call to be in a relationship with and service to West Ottawa Schools. In this way, Karen reminds me a lot of the Apostle Paul, especially in his letters to his dear mentee, Timothy. These letters are intended to help sharpen Timothy and remind him of the faith that he has held so dear. But most importantly, maybe, they're intended to help him hold fast to the truth of the gospel, the essence of the faith, the right teachings of Jesus, as he would say. Paul wants Timothy to remember who he is as Christ's child and his calling to be a follower of Jesus and a leader in the church. And he uses a curious phrase, I think, to do that, one in which I'd like to zero in on a little bit this morning when Paul encourages Timothy to guard what's been entrusted to him. Like so many of Paul's letters, he begins first with words of welcome and encouragement to Timothy, my beloved child. I'm grateful to God for you. I always remember you in my prayers. I'm longing to see you. But it is Paul's love for Timothy that spurs him to make this appeal in verse 14. Timothy, guard the good deposit that's been entrusted to you. This morning, I want to do three things. I want to consider what Paul uh, wants Timothy to guard, who Paul wants Timothy to be guarding it from, and why, the why of his guarding. The first question we get to ask is, what is Paul guarding? And verse 14 makes that clear, the good deposit. If you take those two words in Greek and you think about the first word is good, is kind of a cheap word when translated into English. It could be translated as beautiful or valuable or excellent or precious. This thing of high value I am entrusting to you, the second word, as a, as a loan, as something that you can hold on consignment, as a deposit that you are going to hold. It seems to me that Paul is using these two words of a good or beautiful or wonderful, a precious gift that is entrusted to refer to the faith that has been handed down to him. The faith that's been handed down to him by who? By his mother and his grandmother, Eunice and Lois. Which I think is particularly interesting that they're both females. 
because if you read 1 Timothy uh, literally or woodenly, as we encourage you to do on the little note cards here, another little plug for our note cards, postcards, postcards uh, that are in the back, you might be tempted to think that Paul is saying that no women should be in leadership, that no women should be up front. But here in 2 Timothy, Paul is telling uh, Timothy, or Paul is telling Timothy to celebrate the faith that his mother and his grandmother passed on. He admires them even by putting their names in the letter. Paul, while it might be tempting to think is discouraging of women in ministry, I think in 2 Timothy, he is encouraging of women in ministry, just like we are at Fellowship Church, where we have women in leadership and women pastors, and one of them is even serving in our denomination with other men and women, like our very own Scott Inglesman and Tierra Marshall, who are at our general synod of our denomination together with a group, a large group of people discerning God's will for us as a denomination. Paul is appealing then to Timothy to guard the good, the beautiful, the praiseworthy treasure that he has been entrusted with, handed down first from his mom and his grandma, but also confirmed in Paul. So what is the good deposit that Timothy guards, the gift that he has inherited? Well, first of all, that means it's not something that he made up. It's not his own. It's not Paul's faith that he's been given. It's not even Timothy's faith. It's something he receives on consignment, and then he passes on to others. I wonder if we as 21st century Americans have a challenge or difficulty even understanding this concept of faith that has been given to us that's not our own, that's not my faith that I must protect, that I must defend, that I must, I, 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 but rather it's a gift that's been given to us by those that have gone on before us. I mean, what's it mean for you to say that the faith that you have is not your own, but a gift from someone else? One commentator pointed out to me this week in thinking about this a little bit, that the faith that is passed on to us is not a set of Christian ethics, it's not traditional values, it's not social justice preferences. The faith that's been passed down to us is the gift of God in Jesus Christ, the defining center, the essence of our faith that can be summarized in the Apostles' Creed, that God loved the world so much that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. What is Paul appealing to Timothy to guard? The essence of the faith, the gospel of Jesus Christ that is intended for all people and passed down from his ancestors. Who is Paul guarding it from? Interestingly, in most other places in the Bible, we guard ourselves. We don't guard something else like our faith. We guard our hearts, Scripture says, from the allure of money. We guard our eyes from things that can tamper our thoughts. We guard our bodies from things that will harm or poison us. We guard ourselves against the works of the evil one. But here, Paul appeals to Timothy to guard the faith that he has inherited. Which is curious a little bit, isn't it? I mean, the faith that we inherited, we're supposed to guard and protect and not share with other people? I mean, what do you think of when you think of guard? I think of, uh, I have a few images here for you. Maybe you think of like a, a guard at a bank who makes sure that nobody can get into uh, other people's valuables to prevent them from stealing the money or the valuables at, that are at the bank. Or I think about Canadian geese, who I see often when I'm running around town who get really upset with you if you get near their babies or their eggs and were free and open to tell you all about how much they don't like you being near them. Or I think about parents who seek to guard their kids and use apps like Life360 to make sure that they know where they are and that they're not in harm's way. Or for some of us sports people, you might think of guards like a point guard, like Gary Payton, whose defense was so good that he's known to be the only man that could ever at least slow down Michael Jordan. To guard something is to prevent, to protect, obscure others from accessing it. So who is Paul encouraging Timothy to guard the faith that we share, that we're intended to share? Fascinatingly, I think, in this letter to Timothy, Paul doesn't go into that too much. He mentions a few people by name, and we can read more about some of the opposers in Ephesians and Acts. But maybe fittingly, in this letter, 
He doesn't make a big deal about who Timothy is to guard the faith from. Paul appeals to Timothy to control the only thing that he can control, not the opposition, but himself. And so Paul tells Timothy, be strong in the grace of Christ Jesus. Stand firm even amidst your suffering. Continue in what you have learned and what you have believed that has been passed on to you. My point is this, while Paul appeals to Timothy to guard the faith he's inherited, the way he does that is by focusing on Timothy's efforts, not on focusing on the opponent. And it makes me wonder, who are we guarding the faith from? What opponents are in our lives? I agree with most of C.S. Lewis's writing, and he often helps us remember that the greatest enemy to our faith, the one who opposes and that we might need to protect ourselves from, is our own mediocrity. The biggest risk we face is not abandoning the faith, but an indifference towards it, a lukewarm feeling about this whole Christian Christ thing. Maybe the invitation from Paul's letter to Timothy is to press, in, uh, press on in the strengthening of our spiritual muscles, as Pastor Tierra mentioned last week, or to hear Paul's encouragement of Timothy to strengthen himself in the face of his trials as our own encouragement, the Spirit's word for us. Maybe the who Paul wants us to guard himself, ourselves from is ourselves. Finally, Why? Why do we guard the good deposit that's been trusted to us? Why do we keep guard this precious, beautiful faith that we've been passed on? It's not because it depends on us, because we'd probably fail. Not because we are the only ones who can, because clearly there's others that have done it better. Not because it's all on our effort, because we would probably most certainly fail. But because when we do so, when we try to guard the faith that's been passed on to us, We're doing the very same thing that Jesus did for us. It is Christ who is the keeper of our faith. He is the faithful one. He is the one that guards and protects us in the midst of our challenges, in the midst of our disbelief. Sometimes it's tempting to read Paul's letter and think, I need to work harder. I need to make my faith grow. I need to make other people's faith grow. I, I, I. But the faith that's been passed on to us, the faith we seek to guard from apathy, is ultimately a gift from a faithful God. And ironically, I think, the best way for us to guard the faith is to talk about it, to remember it, to rehearse it, to say it over and over and over again every single week in worship in our daily lives. Makes me think that Karen wants us to remember the story of Fellowship Church and West Ottawa schools. My friend in Uganda wants me to remember our time there and the diversity and the grandeur of God's global church and God's diverse kingdom. Paul wanted Timothy to remember the faith that was passed down from him to him from his mom and grandma. And God wants us to remember the greatest love story ever told, the good news of the gospel, that in due time, God sent his very own son into this world to show us the way to life abundantly here and into eternity, who revealed his deep, deep love for you and for me and sending his own son, not just to this world to live, but also to die and to take on all of the suffering that we, so, uh, that we deserve. The same Christ was gloriously resurrected and has ascended into the right hand of the God, the Father. This is the good, the beautiful, the precious gift of faith that we have inherited, that we have been invited to guard. The story we keep and remember by sharing it over and over and over again. May we be a people who do just that. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. In our response this morning, we invite you to receive this next song. Remain seated. You can listen or join in and sing along as you feel comfortable.
Friends, before we scatter from this gathered place to be God's people in the world, let's take a moment to pray that God's word would shape our life in the world. Oh Lord, our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it's good for us to pause, to stop in your presence and to soak in your word. And we stop first to say thank you. As the Apostle Paul said in his letter to Timothy, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ came into the world to save sinners, of which I am the foremost. Who are we, O God, that you would be mindful of us? And yet you are not only mindful, but wholeheartedly committed. Thank you for saving us from the guilt of our past. Thank you for freeing us to live differently in the present. Thank you for calling us to join in your good purposes in the world. We stop second to ask for help. As Paul said in his letter to Timothy, you, O God, have given us not a spirit of timidity, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. But honestly, we don't always feel so powerful or loving or disciplined. There are wars raging overseas and wars raging in our own hearts and in our own homes. Help us, please, to use the power that we have to do good and not harm. Help us, please, above all else, to clothe ourselves with love. Help us, please, to have the discipline to pursue godliness, even if it's hard. We stop third in your presence, O God, to think intergenerationally. As Paul said to Timothy, guard the good deposit and fan it into flame. So we take a moment now to remember the people who have invested in us. Teachers, mentors, parents, youth leaders, spiritual friends, colleagues. And we think also of the people we are now pouring ourselves into through friendship and prayer, through generosity, through kids' hope and hand-to-hand and other mentoring opportunities. Grant us wisdom and strength, O God, that we might carry the candle of faith intergenerationally, guarding the good deposit and fanning it into flame. 
Finally, O oh God, we pause to stop, to pray for the positive witness of the Christian church worldwide. As Paul said in his letter to Timothy, do not let anyone look down on you because you are young, but rather set an example in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. It's been said that the best criticism of the bad is the practice of the better. Please let that be so for the Christian church worldwide and even for the RCA today. Mighty God, please make your church to be a positive witness with less criticism of what's wrong and more demonstration of what could be. To that end, make us also to be letters, letters of your word embodied. A message to your world, a message of hope and praise. We pray all these things in the strong and precious name of Jesus. Amen. Friends, let's stand and sing that God would build his kingdom here. Love the tambourine. Well done, Aaron. 
my friends join us as we celebrate Karen out there with cake and goodies. Uh, we love to have you all join us. And as you seek to guard the good gift that's been planted in you, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and always. Amen. Go in peace.